Well, I don't know about you, but I decided we were long overdue for some picking and some grinning. And you can't hardly pick without grinning, can you? So we're going to do both of them this week, courtesy of our very, very special guest. He is a longtime professional musician from the Owensboro area. His name is Randy Lanham. He spent a number of years in Nashville playing and touring with some artists that you just might have heard of. He is a former Kentucky State Fiddle Champion. Currently, he serves as the Education Director of the Owensboro Bluegrass Music Museum. And not long ago, he founded an organization known as Volunteer Owensboro. So we'll find out more about each and every one of these. He's going to share with us a few bars on the fiddle. Plus, I have a track to share with you from one of Randy's recent CDs. So strap yourself in for a fun-filled and very musical Season 5, Episode 4 of Blabbing in the Bluegrass. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Bee Springs to Blue Spring, Beattyville to Barberville, nobody but nobody blankets the bluegrass quite like we do here on Blabbing in the Bluegrass as we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. Sam Moore here at the first class, fully furnished North Quail Motel in precious Henderson KY, and today we are almost, quite literally, blabbered in the bluegrass because, you know, the fiddle is quite a prominent instrument in both country and bluegrass. And our guest, as we told you, is a longtime fiddle player, and he has played fiddle in both of those genres. And uh, he has quite an extensive resume, part of which you've heard about already, but that's just scratching the surface. You'll be amazed to hear about all the people that uh, he's bonded with and shared the stage with through the years. Also, the private lessons that he has given and continues to give. Some of his students have gone on to achieve pretty impressive feats, so you'll enjoy learning about that as well. Of course, we told you he started the uh, Volunteer Owensboro Organization, and he also co-hosts a TV show based on uh, nonprofits and volunteer opportunities that they create. So uh, we'll find out more about that, as well as how you can learn more about the show and view it for yourself, which we definitely hope you do. But Randy Lanham was uh, quite a great guest. I first heard Randy play at the Beaver Dam Amphitheater when a buddy of mine went down there a few years ago for a festival in uh, September of, I believe, 2016. And uh, Randy took the stage and really knocked him dead, to say the least. I certainly enjoyed him. Part of the reason, big part of the reason, that I invited him to join us here today. So we'll hear from Randy momentarily. But before we do, I want to remind you that 
I am just an email away. Regardless of what you have to say, good or bad, thoughtful or evil, well, I prefer not evil, but I am fairly thick-skinned, so whatever you got, send it my way. Questions, comments, suggestions for uh, future guests and topics, I'm all ears for you. It's bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com. B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which we encourage you to like and follow because all of my previous shows are there. You can listen or re-listen to any of those previous shows. You can stay up to date with the info on future shows as updates are released, generally about once a week. You can make comments Leave messages, and don't forget, you can listen and subscribe to Blabbing in the Bluegrass without paying a pretty penny via one of four podcast directories. These include Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. All four of those, we're constantly looking to uh, add more, but for right now, you can catch Blabbing on any or all of those four podcast directories, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal, and we absolutely want you here each and every week so that I'm not talking to myself, okay? Deal? So, Randy Lanham is waiting in the wings. Last order of business before we tend to him is giving you our next Bluegrass Brain Buster. One of these presented each and every week. At least that's what we strive for, and we will give you the question now. We will reveal the answer at the end of the show. So believe it or not, many moons ago, there was a Major League Baseball team right here in Kentucky. I want to know what was the name of this baseball team, and what was the name of the ballpark that hosted them. Again, many moons ago, there was a Major League Baseball team right here in the Commonwealth. I want to know what was the name of this baseball team and what was the name of the ballpark that hosted them. So you think on that and we will let you know the answer to this two-part question in the program's final segment. Best of luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, I'm also happy to have with us today a man who wears many, many hats. He's been a professional musician for two plus decades. He is the education director of the Owensboro Bluegrass Music Museum, and he is the founder of an organization known as Volunteer Owensboro. So here to talk with us about uh, all of those initiatives, much, much more, and even do a little picking and grinning with us, let's welcome none other than Mr. Randy Lanham. Hello, everybody. Thanks, Sam, for having me on the show. I appreciate it very much. And that was quite the introduction there. I got to say, man, you're going to make people think that that I'm more than I am. Hey, you're, (laughs) I admit it, you're you're right up there with the cream of the crop there, sir. (laughs) But, uh, but anyway, we're sure glad to have you and glad we caught you during one of your breaks. I know that you, you probably feel like you're chasing after your own tail half the time, don't you? Sometimes it gets it gets kind of busy when you when you wear uh, lots of hats and do different things. But I tell you what, it keeps uh, life interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, so, that's it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it keeps you from getting bored. That's for certain. But uh, yes. anyway, now I know you're from the uh, 
the Owensboro area, where to be exact? Is it like Beaver Dam or somewhere around there? Actually, I live in Philpot, just a little town right outside of Owensboro. Okay, yeah, uh, just east of town there. Yes, yes. Uh, originally from Knottsville. All my family is from uh, East Davis County in Knottsville, so that's really where I where I tell folks where I'm from because that's you know where I grew up. And matter of fact, my wife and I we just bought some land out there and going to be building a house someday, moving back out to Knottsville. But I currently live in Philpot. Okay, so you're about to be literally back home. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> which not <laughs> Which that'll be, that'll be great. I know, but uh, we're certainly glad you could join us. Now, first, Randy, why don't you uh, tell us how you fell in love with bluegrass and country and just music in general, sir? Yeah, absolutely. I love to share that story. Um, my granddad, John Lanham. Uh, he recently passed away. He almost made it to the age of 97, but uh, granddad was an old time fiddler. Uh, and what I mean by that, he, he played a lot of the old time music that even influenced Bill Monroe and bluegrass music. So a lot of the square dance music, a lot of the waltzes, uh, a lot of that kind of dance music and mountain music that he would call it. Uh, that's what he grew up playing. It's in my family. My granddad played, he got me started, but my great-granddad and my great-great-granddad played. And also on my mother's side of the family, there were fiddle players. So I had it coming from both sides. And um, so I just fell in love at the age of 11, watching my granddad, John Lanham play. I just totally fell in love with it. He made it look so fun and made it look so easy. I thought, I want to do that. So he gave me well, actually, before he gave me my first fiddle, Sam, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Randy, because I said, Granddad, I want to learn so bad. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'm going to loan you this fiddle. He said, if you learn to play a song on it, if you're serious about it, I'm going to give you that fiddle. So, man, I went home thinking it was going to be easy. Well, it was not. <laughs> no. It was very hard. So <laughs> I came back about three weeks later and played for him Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star that I had figured out. It was squeaky, sounded terrible, and uh, but he knew, he could see the want to in my eyes, you know, he, he could tell that I wanted it bad, and he gave me that fiddle, and I've How been playing that? now for about 35 years, so yeah. <laughs> so you've had the same fiddle for three and a half decades now. <laughs> yes, yes, I still got that fiddle, I'm looking at it right now, it's hanging on my wall, but I, I still have it. Oh, yeah. that's, that's awesome. So you, you followed in, in granddad's footsteps. Now did your dad play any kind of fiddle? Uh, my dad played the guitar a little bit, uh, okay. but, uh, he wasn't a fiddle player. Uh, yeah, I kind of skipped the generation there. None of my uncles or aunts or anything play the fiddle. Uh, some of them do play guitar, but the fiddle, uh, just kind of skipped the generation. And then I'm trying to teach my daughters and get them into it. And, and they play a little bit, but they really haven't found that uh, that real love, strong, you know, connection to it just yet. So maybe that'll change. I'm hoping. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it'll grow on them in time. Now, <laughs> now, right. uh, what uh, what other instruments do you dabble in besides the fiddle, there, Randy? Uh, I play guitar and mandolin. Um, there you go. Also, there you I can go. play bass and banjo a little bitty bit. I could fake my way through enough to make somebody think that I know how to play, but honestly, <laughs> I, I'm really not a banjo or a bass player. 
but so really I feel comfortable on fiddle is my main instrument and uh I'm a I can play guitar and mandolin I feel confident enough on those or I'd get them out in front of somebody <laughs> <laughs> the, the fiddle's right in your wheelhouse <laughs> yes, yes there you go yes. well uh i play the radio <laughs> yeah hey you know us musicians have to have somebody play the radio right this is true yeah <laughs> nobody have anybody the... <laughs> buy tickets or listen to us or anything us That's musicians <laughs> we gotta have people that are listeners for sure yeah if nobody played the radio the <laughs> the musicians would be up a creek That's but right. uh anyway uh Talk to me a little bit, Randy, about the uh, local and nationally known musicians that you idolized as a child growing up in Davis County there. Yeah, so, uh, of course, being a fiddle player, I was always drawn to fiddle players, uh, you know, and and I grew, and bluegrass musicians. So, uh, from right here local, you know, uh, Mr. Bill Monroe was born and raised right down the road in Rosine, Kentucky. So oh, yeah. I always grew up loving his music and, and, uh, and, uh, I even got to open some shows for Bill Monroe, uh, when I was about 12 years old, oh, cool. um, I was in this little band and we opened a show, a festival in Rosine and I'll never forget this, Sam. Uh, this was so cool. Um, Bill was on stage that night. He was the last one, uh, cause it was a Bill Monroe homecoming show. So him and the band were on stage. He said, if there's any young musicians in the crowd, he said, after this next song we play, I want you to get your instrument, bring it up here on stage. Well, I could not believe what he said. I got that fiddle out of that case as fast as I could run to that stage. And I was the first <laughs> one up there, me and the two or three other uh, young musicians. And he leans over to me, says, what do you want to play, boy? I said, how about we do Sally Gooden? He said, all right, you kick it off. So I got to play with Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys on stage at age 12. And that really set me on fire. And, uh, you know, and I grew up and uh, fortunately for me, I was very blessed when I was 19 years old to win the Kentucky State Fiddle Championship. Oh, that's then, right. Yeah, that was <laughs> such a blessing. And then uh, shortly after that, I, I, I got playing with uh, Marty Brown. He was on MCA Records at the time. And and so I, that kind of launched me into the Nashville scene uh, where, um, you know, I got to play. Well, the first gig I ever played with Marty was the Grand Ole Opry. So oh, I was gosh, scared. that's my cotton right there. <laughs> I was scared to death, but it was so cool. And so I played, you know, played the Opry and was able to do some TV shows and music videos. I don't know, Sam, if you remember back in the day where CMT, you know, played the, the, all the country music videos, but I was Oh yeah, on, I remember those from my childhood. <laughs> yeah. So I got to be in a couple of videos. It was just exciting. And that and I eventually moved to Nashville when I was 20. Uh, because I want so I was getting out of not necessarily trying to get out of bluegrass, but the country music kind of presented itself to me. And I moved to Nashville and I thought, you know what? I think I can do this for a living. And I was blessed to be able to do that. I wasn't there very long and I was able to play uh for about a year with clay walker um and How then I, yeah and then <laughs> I, I met wade hayes uh, we became friends and i played with him for many many years um played for tracy lawrence for about a year uh and uh even got to set in with the tanya tucker uh for a short while and do some shows with her delta dawn so, uh, <laughs> yeah 
Yes, that's right. You know, she she told me she told me a story. I, I like sharing this story if we have time. Oh, sure. Uh, so when the band leader called me to play for Tanya, I told him I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm off the road now. I'm back here in Kentucky. I, you know, I'm teaching music. I'm I'm doing things around here. I'm not interested in touring anymore and going on the road. He was like, well, I'll tell you what, you know, just come out and fill in until we find a permanent fiddle player. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. You know, like yeah. to play with Tanya Tucker, you know, I thought, why not? Cool. <laughs> yeah. So he says, all right. He said, I'm going to send you in the mail, all the music, you know, uh, and he sends the music. I said, well, when's the first gig? He's like next weekend. I'm like, what? I have one week. <laughs> and so I had two days on my own to practice at the house learning, you know, it was like 22 songs we had to do. Well, I ended up having to play guitar on a lot of them. I, I had to sing harmony and play fiddle parts on some. Oh, so it was a lot gosh. more work than I thought, but I worked my <laughs> tail off that week. Go did you pull some all nighters? <laughs> I did. I had to work really hard, but I go down to rehearse with the band and for two days we rehearsed, but Tanya was not there for rehearsal. Oh, so I'm no. practicing, I'm practicing a harmony part without a lead singer. So, <laughs> so we go, the first gig is in Canada. So we get on the bus. Well, Tanya's not there. We drive to Canada. We get there. At, she's not there. Oh, my uh, we goodness. Go, we're playing at a fair in, in Canada. I forget where we're at in Canada. But we go there. We do sound check. Tanya is not there. <laughs> oh, good grief. We, it comes time for the show. She walks on stage. She does the entire show. It's an hour and a half long show. At Right at the end of the show, right before she does Delta Dawn, she introduces the band. She's walking around stage introducing all the band members one at a time. I'm the last one she comes to. She walks <laughs> up to me on the microphone in front of about three, 4,000 people. She says, hey, I'm Tanya Tucker. What's your name? Oh, said, my gosh. <laughs> Randy Lanham. Nice to meet you. She said, welcome. And everybody in the crowd was laughing because they thought it was a joke, but it was not a joke. I literally met her on stage. Golly. Then, you met her when she was introducing the band. Yes. Oh, so, gosh. but then after the show, I got to go on the bus and meet her and talk with her. And she was just sweet as can be. And just, it was a lot of fun. I ended up only playing about a month, about four shows with her. But it was it was a lot of fun just to be able to you know play with legendary Tanya Tucker. So oh, absolutely, and you uh you toured with the George Strait as well, didn't you? We did when I when I was playing for Clay Walker, we actually went out and toured with George Strait for probably five or six months one summer. And man, you uh, and here I am, this twenty one year old kid. You know we're playing stadiums that have 40, 50, 60,000 people a night. And it's just insane. I'm just like, you know, I'm so scared and just trying to. A little nerve wracking, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then when I played for Wade Hayes, we got to tour with Alan Jackson and Brooks and Dunn and Faith Hill. And so I've got, we've gotten to do a lot of really fun shows back in the nineties uh, with a lot of people, uh, Man, it was a blast. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, uh, just, 
<laughs> do so many fun things. Yeah, but that that just that just sounds awesome. Now, did you ever uh, did you ever get to play with Ricky Skaggs? Just curious. Yeah, I did. Now I didn't I didn't play in his band, but but like like George Strait and some of the others of uh, these bands that I've played in, like when I was with uh, Marty Brown, I remember we opened a lot of shows for Ricky Skaggs. So uh, I say a lot, you know, a handful. When sure, you're an sure. artist out there on the road, a lot of time you end up working with a lot of other people sometimes it's a long tour like when we was with brooks and dunn we did their whole tour i think it was 1995 probably uh, we did that whole year with them and then some of them are shorter tours like uh for george Strait, you know we went out for like i think it was a five-month thing some of them like with ricky skaggs i think uh back in the day when i was playing for marty brown we went out for it'd be like three weeks you know so, and then sometimes you just play festivals and there's just all kinds of people on there, you know? So over time, I've gotten to, to work with lots of bands and artists or at least open shows for them. And then, you know, a lot of times meet them or, and, and meet the band members and things like that. So. Oh, indeed. Yeah. And that's, that's always an honor. Now, um, you're a man of many talents, but, uh, among your earliest to be discovered, as we mentioned, is your, uh, your fiddle playing. So, uh, in fact, like you mentioned, you were the uh, you were Kentucky uh, state fiddle champion uh, a while back. What year was that, Randy? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna tell my age. That uh, was we, 1991. Oh, that that's you're you're not old, sir. You're not old. <laughs> Although I was three years old in 1991. But yeah, see, I am old, Sam. <laughs> But anyway, I ain't nothing but a number. But anyway, right. give us a give us a, a snapshot of your experience competing for this title and describe what you uh, what you gained and learned from this journey. Well, I tell you, it was uh, I, I, with my granddad. We would uh, we would go to contests. What I liked about going to some of the fiddle competitions with granddad is granddad always taught me that. Uh, the experience is worth more than any of the uh, winnings, uh, you know? So, and, and I carry that on to students nowadays. I have some very brilliant, talented students uh, that are in competition. And I tell them the same thing. I'm like, listen, it, the people that you meet, uh, the experience of playing on stage and the songs that you can learn, that is so valuable. But as far as winning or losing a contest, I, you know, I always tell them if you win, that's a big old benefit. You know, if you lose, you have still gained friends. You've, you've met people, you've learned, you've grown. So that's the way that I took it growing up. That's Indeed. the way my granddad always taught me is like, you know what, don't, don't worry. You know, you, you get in those contests, win or lose, you're a winner. You know, you're, you're still going to learn a lot. Yeah, so it's not I did, like winner bust. <laughs> right, right. So I grew up with that attitude. And so, but I was very blessed at the age of 19 to finally win the Kentucky State Fiddle Championship. And that had been a goal of mine because I had played in it every year for several years. Uh, and so that had definitely been a goal of mine is to win the Kentucky State. And I finally did at the age of 19. And it was just, it was just unreal. Uh, and it was, um, that actually was the last contest I ever did. Uh, I, you know, I, won that and then that's when I met Marty Brown and started to 
tour with him and do these TV shows. And then, so, um, I never went back to the contest world after that, but sure. It, it sure was a blessing to be able to, to win the governor's cup, uh, you know, the Kentucky state fiddle championship for sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> and those, uh, those contests were always at the state fair, weren't they? No, actually, uh, at rough river dam is where the Kentucky state fiddle championship was. Oh, rough yeah, river. They probably had another one at the fair, but the official Kentucky state, was always at Rough River uh, below the dam there. And, you know, Sam, I used to meet people like Allison Krauss. I used to compete against her. I'm sure a lot of listeners oh, out gosh. there know who Allison is. And when you say like, nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. So I used to compete against her. Uh, uh, Jimmy Mattingly, uh, who played for Garth Brooks and still does, and played for Dolly Parton and a lot of these folks. There was a lot of people – I. I got to meet like that, that, uh, that was another good experience about going to the contest is met a lot of great fiddlers and made a lot of good friends too. Oh so. yeah. And when you compete against people like Allison Krauss, man, that, that always makes you better, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I'd always get mad. Okay. So we were friends when we were younger because we would run into each other at these contests, but she always beat me and it made me mad. <laughs> like, you were oh, friends, man. but you wanted to beat her at some point. <laughs> yes. And I never did. She always placed right before me, but she and I was remained friends and we would hang out cause we were the same age are the same age and uh but we uh we just hung out and became friends when we were younger so eat win or lose you know i always knew she was gonna beat me and she did but but still we were friends and it was it was a lot of we go and jam you know out in the parking lots and and have fun i can remember her as a young kid just singing and just being blown away thinking Oh my gosh, this girl is insane. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, she's a, she's a jewel. Now she's still, a, is she still hanging out in the Nashville area? You know, I don't know. I haven't seen her in probably, uh, 25 years or so. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so I haven't kept up with her. I doubt if she would even recognize me or, you know, oh, I'm anymore sure if I, I ran into her. <laughs> I don't know if she'd remember all that time yeah. ago or not i know she's anyway. from illinois originally but, that's uh, right I, I would guess that she lives in nashville but i'm not for certain yeah or at least has a, a part-time residence there of some sort but right but anyway yeah like we said earlier at um at age 20 you uh you packed your bags and started the next life chapter in uh in music city so uh Tell me, Randy, what the, what appealed to you most about Nashville upon your arrival? And on the other hand, what were some of the biggest uh, challenges that you faced in uh, adjusting to your new surroundings? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, when I was 19, I never dreamed I would, I would move down. Or actually, I'm sorry, I was 20. But, but these things were starting to happen when I started playing for Marty Brown and I was I was doing a lot of traveling to Nashville and starting to meet some folks down there and then made some friends where I would, you know, go down and, and sleep on their couch for the weekend and right. started started to make friends. And I thought, you know what? I believe this is something that I could do for a living. And it just really excited me to think that I could do that because I was just meeting these people, playing these fun shows and and touring and uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. 
So when I moved to Nashville, I was working a day job for this guy, just painting. And on the weekends, I would play music. And I guess one of the biggest challenges I would say is, you know, up in, up here around the Owensboro area, you know, I, I'd won the Kentucky State Fiddle Championship, you know, and I was known pretty well around here as being a good fiddle player, you know. So <laughs> you were was, a pretty big was, name. <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of a, a – a big fish in a small pond, so to speak. Sure. But when you go to Nashville, everybody down there is good, man. They You're a small from... fish in a big pond. <laughs> exactly. So all of a sudden, it's like everybody there is great musicians, singers, songwriters. I mean, you name it. They are just awesome. And so that was probably the challenge was getting down there and realizing like, I cannot believe the competition because everybody moves there from around the country to do the same thing. They either want to be an artist. They want to be a songwriter. They want to play for an artist as a side musician. Like I wanted to, you know, they're trying to get songs recorded. They're, they're all down there for the same reason. And they come from all over the best of everywhere. So you get down there and you really realize like, man, you know what? I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> did, did you ever play for somebody and they were like, that's eh, not bad? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, uh, I actually, when I first moved down there, uh, I tried out for some bands. And uh, Trisha Yearwood was one that I, that I tried out for. And she was very sweet. I did not get that job. But I was up against, I think, about 15 fiddle players tried out for that. Oh, and I actually did get a call back from her. So me and one other guy got a call back. We both went in and played. This other guy got the job. He had a lot more experience than me. Right. But uh, yeah, there was plenty of times where I, you know, I did not get jobs and and but it was it was a great experience, man. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh sure, yeah. That's a just taught you how to be strong, and that's kind of a true mark of of passion, isn't it? <laughs> that's right that's right you got to be willing to be told no and you know you got to be willing to 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 just try things and, and fail and and that's okay you know and the best thing that ever worked for me in nashville if anybody's out there listening and wants any advice from me the best thing that worked for me was networking and what i mean is i went out and met as many people as i could I set in with bands anywhere and everywhere that I could all over Nashville. And what happened was I met musicians that way and meeting other musicians, exchanging numbers. That's every job I ever got was from that, from me going out, playing with these people, playing music. And once I figure out you're a serious musician, you know, then they'll, they'll, you know, they'll hang on to that phone number. And then all of a sudden you get a call saying, Hey, so-and-so says you're a good fiddler, man. We're looking for, you know, we're having some tryouts for Trisha Yearwood or whatever it is. And you there start you getting these calls and things start happening. So that would be my greatest advice is for anybody who wants to go to Nashville is to get down there. You have, you can't sit in the house and do it though. No. And you have to get out and go and meet these people meet people, sing, play, write, pitch Go to the songs. shows. <laughs> yeah, you have to just do everything and just try to meet people. And that's that's what worked for me anyway. Yep, you, you didn't miss too many of those Broadway establishments, did you? 
No, no, I hit every one of them. Any place that had a stage with live music, I would I would go in and and I would wait for the band to get on break and I would come up to them. I'd introduce myself, say, "Hey, I'm a fiddle player." You know, Randy Lanham from Owensboro, Kentucky. I'd love to be able to set in with you if you don't mind. And and everybody down there is so cool. Uh, back in the day, they was and they'd be like, "Sure, man. You know, we're we we got about a 15 minute break. You want to play the next set?" I'd be like, "Shoot, yeah." So I'd set up my amplifier, my fiddle. Or if they had a fiddle player, the fiddle player would be like, yeah, man, just play my fiddle. I'll just take a break, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I would play, and I would establish these relationships. Then they they would realize, you know, this guy's, you know, he's he, he knows what he's doing. He can play. So, again, I would exchange numbers and meet these people and make friends. And some of them are still friends today. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed about folks in the country and the bluegrass genres. They're generally uh, – pretty pretty far down to earth at least traditionally aren't they yes they are a lot of them are now i will say sometimes uh in the country music industry sometimes these artists they'll start you know very humble and then after they start making all these millions and getting all this attention sometimes it'll go to their head i've seen that happen a few times to to people but for the most part yeah in the country and bluegrass a lot of people are just down home family you know country folks yes absolutely that's that's one thing that that i have gathered now you mentioned uh being on stage with tanya and, and tanya tucker you know coming up to you and being like hi i'm tanya what's your name do, do you have any other uh memories that i know that you you know you made too many memories or friendships to to mention but is there any are there any other memories that stand out in your mind from from your days on the road well yeah there's you know there's lots but but i will share a funny funny story um so sure we toured with uh brooks and dunn and faith hill uh i think again i think it was in 95 or 96 i can't remember uh and so we toured that whole year with them and it's tradition on the road for people to play pranks on each other for the last show of the tour so so you know so what happens is bands play pranks on other people so um the last show we were told that you know there's going to be some fishy business going on so brooks and dunn and and all their guys their band members and the crew guys and well they were dressed up uh, you know some of them had costumes on during our show we're standing in front of 20 25,000 people i don't remember and these people are walking out in costumes. They're trying to handcuff us to the microphone stands. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> they bring a, a, a couch. They carried a couch out, set it in the front of the stage and sat down and watched us. And they were spraying us with silly putty. Uh, they were just, so we had this whole show <laughs> we're trying to put on and they are just totally messing with us. You were being so, sprayed with silly, silly putty live on stage. Yes. Oh, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Of course, all these people in st- uh, watching the show, can you imagine what they're thinking? Like, what is going on? Yeah, they're probably, <laughs> you, you were probably getting a bunch of blank stares from the audience. <laughs> we were, but they, they knew it was a joke and they had fun. So next, uh, Faith Hill comes on and what they did, Ronnie Dunn, set over at the side of the stage this was so funny so uh 
Faith Hill has these uh, ear monitors on to where uh, her sound man can make her hear only what she wants to hear, right? Right. She wants the piano louder or her vocal softer or a harmony down or up or whatever. She just tells her sound man, hey, I want this up, this down, whatever. And these ear monitors, they can give her whatever she wants. Well, Ronnie Dunn goes over there from Brooks and Dunn and he tells his uh, her sound guy says, hey, I want, I've got this wireless microphone. I want you to patch me into her earphones. So <laughs> while she's up there singing, Ronnie Dunn on the side of the stage starts talking to her, starts singing out of key. Oh, and that's hilarious. Completely messing with her. And she's over there like, who is this? Somebody's talking in my head, you know? So she's oh, up there trying to do gosh. the show, trying to sing this song. And he's over there just talking with this weird voice and then just uh, telling stupid jokes and singing out of key. And that was a lot of fun. So Brooks and Dunn finally gets up. Brooks and Dunn finally gets up. So we have a few pranks for them. And we oh, dress sure. our, our still guitar player. We dress him up like a woman. And uh, he dances <laughs> across stage and dances up. And then we we do a few other silly little things for them during the show. And it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, everything from Ronnie Dunn. Uh, singing off key in Faith Hill's ear to you know, musicians being dressed up, you know, male musicians being dressed like females. You just had it yeah. all going on, didn't you? I know. We were just, we were out there having a ball, you know. Yeah. It was all in fun and, and nobody took any offense to anything because, you know, everybody, we were all friends and everybody knew it was coming. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can't take yourself too seriously out there. But uh, right. <laughs> but anyway, um, while you were out there traveling the highways and byways, uh, which which venues stand out in your mind as, as being among your favorites? You mentioned the Grand Ole Opry, but let's talk about a few of the others that you most enjoyed and what made those uh, arenas so so special to you. Yeah, uh, definitely the Grand Ole Opry. Anytime, anytime you played there, I played uh, a couple dozen times through the years on the Opry whether it be the uh, the Ryman or the, the new Opry, um, that's always special. It never gets old. It's always special to be able to do that. But, uh, like, um, I remember playing the Astrodome with George Strait, and I'm wanting to say there was about 60,000 people in that, and the oh. energy and, and feel of 60,000 people surrounding you because those – he played at rodeo arenas – so the stage is in the center and then you got people completely surrounding you and the stage actually rotated. So that was one that really stood out. Um, you know, playing TV shows uh, through the years, uh, Austin city limits. That was a huge, that was a huge thing to be able to play on that TV show, you know, cause I grew up watching that show and then, you know, one day getting to play that with Wade Hayes. Um, that Quite an was, honor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And other TV shows, uh, you know, CNN and Tonight Show, uh, when Jay Leno was on there, I got to play the Tonight Show uh, with oh, Clay nice. when I was with Clay Walker back many years ago. So that was fun. Um, yeah, you know, there's just uh, 
They're, they're all sort of special in their own way, aren't they? They, they really are. They really are. You know, I'd have to think again, but just just a lot of fun. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, and getting <laughs> getting to meet Jay Leno. That's uh that's icing on the cake, isn't it? Absolutely. That was really cool. That was really oh. cool to be able to do this night show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those those are all special. What sparked your desire to? Uh, move back to the Owensboro area and uh what do you miss most about that music city life Randy well uh I wanted to move back it was really time you know uh my daughter that is now 22 years old my oldest daughter uh you know this is when she was growing up and I was really missing a lot of things um you know I was missing a whole lot of things because on the road you just can't say hey I'm gonna take a vacation this week because my daughter's birthday or, or, you know, she's, she's got a game, you know, she's playing softball and she's got a game or, or any of these special moments. I missed, you know, I missed family funerals. I missed a lot of things because the road life, I mean, when they're depending on you that they just can't call just anybody up to replace to replace you and take your spot. Right. So there was a lot of things that you just had to miss being on the road and, and you had to sacrifice. And, uh, at the time when I started, it was definitely, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I just reached a point in my life to where it was like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to, to be home more consistent and watch my daughter grow up. And, uh, so I made that, made that choice to, to no longer tour on the road. Uh, what I miss most about it is, is, you know, and I still get to go out and play some shows from time to time with like Wade Hayes and I, he'll still call me. I got to go play a Christmas show with him in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee back before Christmas. So I still get to do some of it every once in a while, um, at, for fun. Uh, but what I miss most about it is that, uh, hanging out with, you know, a lot of my good uh, buddies that live there in Nashville and playing with super great musicians. I mean, those, you know, you go down there and there's a lot of good musicians up here as well. I don't mean that bad, but man, I mean, well, for a lot of times when I play with Wade, we use part of Toby Keith's band because those are buddy of ours. And, uh, uh, his band leader, Dave McAfee, is his drummer and Toby Keith's band leader and um, bass player we've played with for many, many years. So, you know, we're playing with guys like that. Though, you know, uh, it's just super fun to be able to play with them and just hanging out with the guys and, and on the bus sometimes and playing for crowds, you know, oh, yeah. 30,000 people screaming and hollering and Gets you the know, adrenaline flowing, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. But I, I guess I don't miss missing everything, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> you don't miss missing out on the, the kiddos and their endeavors. So That's right. <clears throat> that's so. <clears throat> that's one added bonus of uh, of being home. Now, what year did you move back to Owensboro? Oh, gosh, Sam. I don't remember what <laughs> year. I've been back here teaching now for about 17 years. So that's uh, right around that, that that time is when I moved back. and Okay, really so early to, 2000s thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. I started, oh, to, uh, started to uh, teach and do, you know, performances around this area. So 
Sure. Yes, indeed. And in recent years, you've served as um, education director of the International Bluegrass Music Museum there in Owensboro. So um, why don't you um, describe how you uh, became affiliated with the museum and uh, tell us about the duties that this role entails? Sure. Uh, you know, it was about, about 17 years ago, again, when I moved home, started doing some private lessons. And uh, I met the director at the time uh, of the Bluegrass Music Museum in Owensboro, and she said, hey, we're starting these uh, Saturday lesson program. She said, I usually teach the fiddle class. I can't make it this Saturday. Would you fill in for me? So I said, sure, I'll, I'll fill in for you. And then the next Saturday, she said, you know, I'm going to be busy again. Can you fill in again? She's like, I was like, sure, you know. So it, from that, literally, the, uh, is how I started. And I started teaching from that moment. She gave me that gig. She's like, how about you just, you, you take it and teach that class. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll, take, I'll teach the fiddle class. And then before you know it, I took over uh, not teaching every class. Obviously, we teach banjo, fiddle, mandolin, and guitar, but overseeing the other teachers. And so really hiring other teachers and overseeing what, what we're teaching and how we're doing it and all of that. So that's how that came about. And then the same time was when uh, the director there said, you know, we're trying to start this Bluegrass in the Schools program here in Davis County. Uh, would you be interested in that? I'm like, sure. So started to collecting instruments. So I, even this morning, Sam, I was at uh, West Louisville Elementary teaching the mandolins. Uh, so I have mandolins, fiddles, guitars, and banjos, and I get to take them in to the classrooms, work with third, fourth, and fifth graders, and kind of do an introduction classes to these instruments. And a lot of times it turns these kids on to want to learn, and they end up becoming part of our Saturday lesson program or taking private lessons. So we're just fostering bluegrass music and the love of it and, yeah. and musicians <laughs> around this area. It's a good recruiting tool, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Because a lot of times, if you think about it, you know, a lot of people dream of playing music or an instrument, but really don't think that they can, or, or maybe they don't own an instrument. And all of a sudden you put one in their hands and they discover that they can do it. They're like, I'm actually playing this, you know, I'm playing a little bit of a song. Then they really get turned on to it and they really want to learn more. And then, you know, you go down there to the Saturday lessons and we do group lessons and then we end up performing at romp together and it's really turns a lot of people on to learning an instrument uh, or, or definitely the love of bluegrass music you know and a lot of people end up becoming bluegrass music fans from that even if they're not musicians so it that started all started about 17 years ago it's kind of like when these programs were just getting started up here um i, I was just at the right place at the right time and, sure. and uh and, and the doors kind of open for me so been yes doing it ever since. yeah but you're uh you're in the uh in the schools mingling with the munchkins probably uh at least three or four days a week aren't you yeah sometimes five days a week uh of course covid you know has slowed all that down so i'm really just oh, sure I'm yeah starting to get back to it after a couple years of not going into the schools uh so i'm really just here recently starting to get back into it but some days uh yeah three or four days this week you know it's every day it's a, a monday through friday so uh 
it just depends on the school and i'm right. flexible with my uh, i i'm just flexible with the school they'll they typically book me for a week at a time they might want three days they might want four or five days that week but uh i i try to be flexible because schools are really tight with their scheduling and things but they all they all certainly believe in the power of putting an instrument in a kid's hands because there's nothing better than you know them actually holding it and playing it you know so that we got a lot of support up here in davis county i tell you uh from the community and the school systems and uh people love the program and really believe in it and sam you know another thing that i love to tell people is I believe this goes beyond music because I get to put instruments in the hands of some kids that you can kind of tell that maybe they don't have the greatest home life, or maybe they don't have a lot of encouragement in their life, a uh-huh. lot of self-confidence. Right. And, and then sometimes after a few days, they're playing a little bit of a song. Maybe it's a simple melody or a few chords, you know, and all of a sudden you see that light come on, like, man, I'm doing this. And, <laughs> they discovered to, talents they didn't know they had. <laughs> right. And I tell them, I'm like, listen, you know, it's the same way in life, kids. It's like, just because you think you can't do any something, you know, you, you put this this talent or or this something on the pedestal and you think, well, other people can do it, but I can't. But that's not true. And I love proving to these kids and adults too at the Saturday lessons that people can do these things and i hope it carries on not just in music hope it gives them confidence in other areas of their life too oh absolutely i'm so glad to see that uh, the schools are supportive of uh of the yards now your saturday lessons are uh, at the museum correct that is that is correct that's a bluegrass music hall of fame and museum in downtown Owensboro. it's only been open the new facility for about three years now and it is super nice if people out there have not visited, you really need to check it out. The theater holds about 450 people. It's super nice. Some of the best bluegrass bands in the world perform there. Uh, of course, the museum itself and the Hall of Fame are fantastic, state-of-the-art. Uh, they rent it out for a lot of events. So, uh, you know, some companies, they're having uh, things. They rent out. Uh, you can rent out one of the floors and, and have an act tv there it's a really nice place oh really sure is. yes indeed and now are these are these morning lessons or afternoon or a little bit of both <laughs> yeah a little bit of both I, I typically do schools in the morning and private lessons every afternoon so i have about 40 private students that i teach and um so i do that every afternoon and and i love uh, again the schools and the saturday lessons or every other saturday they're starting up at february the 4th if somebody's interested, uh, they can go to bluegrasshall.org and they can find out all about our Saturday lesson program. There you go. Starting February 4th. Well, that ought to be that ought to be great fun. So uh, y'all be sure and check that out. And uh, you can email Randy as well for more information. It's uh, highhopesmusic at hotmail.com. So I know you'd be glad to hear from him, wouldn't you, sir? That's right. That's right. We're glad to. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, last but not least, I know that um, not long ago, you founded a commendable organization known as Volunteer Owensboro. So why don't you uh, talk about the inspiration behind uh, 
this initiative along with uh, the mission of the organization? Sure. Yeah. You know, our mission is to connect people to volunteer in their community, no matter where that is. We started probably 12 years ago. My friend Wayne Morse and I was volunteering uh, around the Owensboro area. We were playing at Wendell Foster campus uh, for hospice, uh, playing in nursing homes and different things like that. And we, we really got inspired from just um, when we were, when we would play music, these places, we got such great joy out of volunteering with our music. And of course, I believe God gives everybody a talent right. and they just, you know, it don't always have to be music. It can, you know, we all have talents to use in some way. When we use those talents to serve others, I just think we get this fulfillment and this joy that that nothing else that we do can can give us that, you know, it's just to be able to help another person out. So while we was doing it, having so much fun ourselves, I just feel like God was put it on our heart to, we just saw a lot of nonprofit organizations that were struggling to find volunteers. And we're, we're thinking, man, it's so much fun. we got such great people in our community, right? And there's good people everywhere. And people in general, I think, are good and want to help. But there's a disconnect sometimes between all the good people that want to volunteer and help and the actual nonprofit organizations that are needing the volunteers. So we kind of dove into that thinking, you know, I had no desire necessarily to start a nonprofit organization. I thought, man, that's a lot of work. Sure. Uh, but I just felt like I just felt like it would benefit our community. Uh, and so what we do is educate and inspire people. And we, we want to break down that barrier between all the good people and all the good nonprofit organizations. So we do that in lots of different ways. We do group volunteering. Back before COVID, we were doing between one to 2,000 people a year, we were putting in group uh, volunteering activities. So say, okay. a, yeah, so a school would call us and say, hey, we have 100 kids. We want to volunteer on this day at this time. Well, we would set them up. It might be three different nonprofit organizations going there and serve. A business call us up, say, hey, we have 20, 20 employees. We'd like to volunteer on this day. And so my work partner, Angie DeWitt, took care of all that uh, group volunteering. And then we also have radio shows. We work with Cromwell radio stations here in Owensboro area, as well as Panther Radio. And, and it's to promote these local nonprofits. So they get on there and do interviews, say, hey, this is what we're all about. This is what opportunities, uh, volunteer opportunities we have. We took that a step further. We uh, started a TV show years ago on a local channel sure we just called it volunteer Owensboro, and it was it came the idea came i watched uh, dirty jobs with mike rowe one time quite and entertaining I he, <laughs> yeah and i thought if he can go into these businesses and he's kind of showing people what these businesses do what they're about and then he's actually doing the job what if i did the same thing with nonprofit organizations and i show them how it is to be a volunteer so we started it on a local channel, Time Warner, and then uh, it grew to KET, which is broadcast around the state of Kentucky. And now we are on uh, nationwide on NRB TV, KET Kentucky, Western Kentucky University, 
Faith Unveiled Network. Oh. So we are, yes, so we're in, in over 50 million households now. And then also even uh, some other countries uh, rebroadcast our show, like in India. There's a station in India that rebroadcasts our show. Oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. And so me and my co-host, Teresa Rowe, we, we just go into nonprofit organizations. We find out what they do, and then we become volunteers for a day. So people can see exactly what it is, what it would put you know, what it entails to be a volunteer at these places. So we hope that educates people and inspires them as well, because we get a lot of good uh, uh, testimonies from volunteers, from the recipients, uh, from these nonprofit organizations. So we hope to hit that inspire button, you know. Uh, yes, indeed. As well. Yeah, so uh, be sure and check check the listings on uh, KET and WKYU and all those other various television outlets for uh you know info on how you can catch project volunteer and uh you know get in the know on that and yeah. your radio show is um on panther radio and then is it wbio there yes there's uh there's four different stations at cromwell uh they they'll do the interviews with the local nonprofits. but if uh I, the easiest way to find out all that information uh, you can go to volunteerorangeboro.com if you're sure. up here in the Orangeboro area. If you want to check out Project Volunteer TV show, you can go to projectvolunteer.org, O-R-G, and you can see a lot of episodes. Actually, the first two seasons are on there, and you can watch them. We're filming season three right now. so Oh, perfect. I'll be yeah. sure and uh, link the listeners to those sites in my show notes as well so they can find those. Well, um, Randy, this has been great. I have certainly enjoyed it. Now, um, you were gonna you were gonna play a little bit on the fiddle to take us out of here, won't you? Absolutely. How about a little bit of an Irish tune? Let's see. How about a little bit of a uh, Road to Lisbon Barnia? Oh, love it. what i'm talking about <laughs> i love it you know what uh, st patty's day isn't that far off so <laughs> that's right that's right a lot a little, of people like those irish tunes i do too that's yes indeed nothing like a little early celebration and uh then we're gonna um here in just a few seconds our listeners are gonna get to enjoy a uh, a recording of yours and this is one that you uh collaborated on with a bunch of your friends and you were telling me an interesting story before we took to the airwaves here about um your rendition of it is well with my soul yeah so i made a cd probably i think about five or six years ago called a fiddler's prayer and what i wanted to do is do a bunch of the old gospel music the hymns and uh and i didn't want it to just be an instrumental only fiddle only cd so i brought in some musician friends i brought in a lot of singers and um this is one of the songs that we recorded and uh, kind of by accident, I really wasn't playing this away, but the guy singing this song, his name is Caleb Lee 
Sharmahorn is his last name, but his stage name, he just goes by Caleb Lee. Some of y'all may recognize that name from him being on The Voice a few seasons back, uh, a couple years ago. He got all the way to number five on The Voice. Not too uh, shabby. <laughs> no, not too shabby at all. Uh, actually, me and my wife got to go out there and uh, spend a couple days while he was on that show. Uh, we got to spend a few days with him and seeing how the show works and all of that. That was a lot of fun. But anyway, he he came into my house and recorded it as well. That's before he was even on The Voice and uh, sang the lead on it. And then I was looking for a harmony singer. One of my previous students, Jenny Beth Willis, she was a guitar student of mine. We did a lot of songwriting and recording. Uh, we, uh, Jenny Beth Willis was actually on American Idol several years ago. She was top 20 in the women's, uh, top 20 women on the American Idol several years ago. And she is singing a harmony. So by pure incident, it accident, it happened to where I have uh, Caleb Lee from The Voice singing lead, Jenny Beth Willis from American Idol singing harmony on this song it as well. So, so yeah, and I bet we could count on one hand the number of times that A Voice and an American Idol contestant have uh, have joined forces on the same song. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, it just doesn't happen very often, but uh, you folks are about to feast your ears on that momentarily well uh, randy thanks so much this has been a blast i hope you've had fun i have sam thank you so much for your invitation to be on the show and and thank you listeners for hanging in there and listening to my my uh, country boy gabbin for all this time hey i'm, I'm all about country boy gabbin because I, I do a lot of it myself <laughs> well, <laughs> well randy I, I sure appreciate it we'll do this again sometime Sounds great, Sam. Thank you so much. We love you, Randy Lanham. And as promised, to cap off an already fantastic show, here's a track from one of Randy's recent collaborative efforts featuring he himself on the fiddle, Mr. Caleb Lee on lead vocals, and Jenny Beth Willis on background vocals. It's an oldie but a goodie. It is Well With My Soul.
could all not be well with your soul after listening to that. Man, oh man, what a terrific, terrific rendition of an old standard. It is well with my soul, admirably performed by our special guest, Randy Landon on the fiddle, and Caleb Lee provided lead vocals. Of course, Caleb, a former voice contestant not long ago, and Caleb was backed up by an American Idol alumnus, Miss Jenny Beth Willis, in the background. So all three of those certainly shined brightly on that effort. And by the way, you can find that on Randy Lanham's CD entitled The Fiddler's Prayer. So thanks so much, Randy, for passing that along for our listening pleasure. I'm sure glad Randy was able to spare some time to come on with me this week because I know that you all enjoyed hearing his great music and great story just as much as I enjoyed blabbing it up with him. Now, I will link you in my show notes... Two websites featuring further information on Randy's nonprofit, Volunteer Owensboro, along with the television show he co hosts called Project Volunteer. Now, these are separate sites, but I will link you to them both in my show notes. And I want you to explore those sites and keep up with Randy Lanham's happenings. Man, what a great time we've had today. Not quite over. One last order of business to take care of, and that is the revelation of the answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster that we brought you at the beginning of the show. And to recap, many moons ago, yes, we in fact had a Major League Baseball team here in the Commonwealth. I wanted to know what was the name of this baseball team and what was the name of the park which hosted them. They called themselves the Covington Blue Sox. Yep, the short-lived Covington Blue Sox were in the Federal League, which at the time was a third major league competing against the previously existing National and American Leagues. And they, uh, they played at Federal Park, the Blue Sox did. What a coincidence. They were in the Federal League, and they played at Federal Park. It opened... May 8th, 1913, it seated 6,000 patrons, but sadly the club did not last long there. After just two months, a relocation of the franchise to Kansas City was announced. Covington's population was just too small to support it. Now, the uh, park, Federal Park, stayed around for a few years afterwards and hosted special events, but eventually the park was torn down and replaced with a tobacco warehouse. But the Covington Blue Sox, who played at Federal Park, our state's only major league team to date. The only one we've ever had and the only one we probably ever will. Now, we have Triple A in Louisville with the bats, and we have Single A in Bowling Green with the hot rods. Of course, the Lexington Legends are uh, in an independent league, but plenty of opportunities still to catch quality baseball here in Kentucky when the season rolls around. And we will roll back around, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, February 2nd. That will be our next show. We hope you're here because I sure will be here. Between now and then, do me a favor. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep on blabbing in the bluegrass. 
There's nothing here to hide Cause we're saying it with pride Just a blabbing in the bluegrass With knowledge of the state You're sure to appreciate Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass Where musicians furnish talent And great whiskey cools your palate Just a blabbing in the bluegrass with a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.